watching the Disney movie. Uh, all right. I want you to get your Bible. And let's go to Matthew. Hmm. Matthew chapter 1, everybody. Let's start with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Father God, again, we are so thankful today to be called your children and as we honor the fathers in this room, the earthly fathers, we also take the time to honor the greatest father ever, Father God. I pray, Lord, that the words that I speak, which were inspired by your Holy Spirit earlier, they would be clear and concise, and they would accomplish what you intend for them to accomplish today. Encourage us by your word. Challenge and change us. By your word, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen. amen. So just one more time, from me at least, happy Father's Day. But what is Father's Day? One little boy, when he was asked to explain Father's Day, said, well, it's just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much money on the presents. I will say for my household, that is not true. You like my new tie I got this morning? I'll tell you what, that just called out my name. Had to wear a suit and tie. Father's Day never seems to be as big a deal as Mother's Day, does it? On Mother's Day, there's usually higher attendance in the house. Corsages are given. Families gather at mom's house all to pay honor to the hands that rock the cradle. Did you know 
There are more flowers sold on Mother's Day than any other day of the year, including Valentine's Day or Christmas. But Father's Day also holds a record. Anyone want to guess what it might be? The most charcoal sold? No, but I bet that's in the top five or top ten. Anybody? Restaurant? No, that's probably up there too. Rick? Ground beef sold. I like that. Listen to this. The most collect calls on Father's Day than any other day of the year, I promise you. The most collect phone calls occur on Father's Day. So we hold a record there, dads. Isn't that nice? Listen to me this morning. I want to tell you how this all began. The very first national celebration of Father's Day was June 19th. Today is June 19th. June 19th, 19 and 24. By proclamation of Calvin Coolidge. It all came about because of the efforts of Sonora Smart Dodd. Sonora was sitting in church in 1909, listening to, what else? A Mother's Day sermon. When the idea of Father's Day came to her mind. Having been raised by her father after her mother's death, Sonora wanted her father to know how special he was to her for all his sacrifices and for being in her eyes so courageous and selfless and so loving. 25 years later, through her efforts, President Coolidge designated the third Sunday of June as Father's Day, and our nation has been celebrating this great day ever since. President Richard Nixon made it law when he was serving as president. And today marks the 87th annual anniversary of this great day that we call Father's Day. On this Father's Day, I want us to take a close look at the life of a father who's usually overshadowed. Lessons from Jesus' Father. And even as I tell you the title of the message, some minds instantly go to Father God, of course. Jesus' Heavenly Father. For God so loved the world, John 3.16 tells us that what happened? He gave His only begotten Son. How many think the earthly father of Jesus might just get overshadowed slightly by the heavenly father of Jesus? That's really what has happened throughout the ages. Joseph has slipped into the background. And I'm sure that this dad is happy to be there. Joseph never scrambled for the limelight. He knew his place, dads. And he served in his place. The cast of characters associated with the story of Jesus' birth is colorful and memorable. We often recognize them by their unique speaking parts, don't we? With dramatic words, the angels take center stage to announce the birth of our Savior. 
Then they go and appear to Joseph and give directive to him on what to name the child. And you shall call his name Jesus, they say. Then one specific angel, the angel Gabriel, he makes an unforgettable announcement to Mary, telling her that she will conceive from the seed of God by the Holy Spirit. An angelic host interrupts the shepherds out on the field, minding their own business, tending to the sheep. And they say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Mary, whose divine selection humbles her, she offers a beautiful hymn of praise and thanksgiving. We find this recorded in Luke's version of the Gospels, Luke 1, 46, 47, and 48. Then there's the wise men. They take center stage, don't they? Wise men, desperate to find the newborn king, desperate to present him with their gifts, desperate to worship him. The shepherds become the first evangelist ever recorded, telling everyone that they saw the newborn Messiah. Oddly enough, church, only Joseph has no speaking part. He's the lone, silent member of the cast and often forgotten. Angels bring heavenly greetings. Mary sings her thankful solo. Wise men worship. Shepherds preach. And even the relatives, Zacharias and Elizabeth, get more Stage time, if you will, than Joseph. Only Joseph is silent. No words are ever recorded that were spoken from Joseph. Only his thoughts. I don't know if you ever knew that. Just a little bit of trivia for you there. The Bible doesn't record any words that Joseph ever spoke. It just tells of a dream. It tells of thoughts that he had. He's the silent cast member, often overlooked, and by many... Simply not important. No notable lines are given to Joseph. No, no sound bites. No quotes. Only silence. But you know what they say. Actions speak louder than words. I think this certainly applies to this dad. I've never, I've never done a sermon on, on the life of Joseph. But as I prayed I felt the Holy Spirit direct me to this. I almost called this Christmas on Father's Day because we're right here at the birth. Christmas in June. <laughs> but I thought better, how about lessons from Jesus' Father? Because Joseph was privileged, folks. He was also selected. Mary was definitely selected and chosen divinely, but so was, so was Joseph. Joseph is, in my mind and in my heart, he is irreplaceable in the story of Jesus' birth. And through his silent actions, Joseph teaches us three very valuable lessons in fatherhood. The first lesson that I saw and I want to share with you today, it is a lesson in righteousness. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot down a few things. A lesson in righteousness. Righteousness, by the way, don't be intimidated by this word, Dad. Don't be fearful of this word. Don't be afraid of this word. Righteousness. 
It simply means living right, doing right. And it is something that we are called to, Dad. We are called to righteous living. We're called to holy living. And how many believe that if God calls you to something, it is something that you can attain? I believe that if God calls me to righteous living, it is in fact something that not only I can attain, it's something that I must attain. Now, I cannot get there on my own. I need the help of God. I need the help of God's Word. I need the help of God's people. You actually play a vital part in me living righteously. And I, hopefully, will also play that role in your life, Dad. First lesson that I see is righteousness. He, first of all, did right by his wife, Mary. Look at verse number 19 this morning. It says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a what? A just man, a good man, a righteous man. Not wanting to humiliate his wife, not wanting to make a public example of her, says he was minded to put her away secretly. In other words, why don't you go and live with some relatives for seven, eight, nine months, and once this baby comes, see, and they live who knows how far away, right? And not everybody's going to know what's going on there. You see, he loved Mary. He married her, didn't he? But then he found out she was pregnant. She was with child, and he knew one thing, I haven't even been with her yet. Dad, <laughs> now come on. Think about what that might mean for you today. You're engaged, and then you find out your fiancé is carrying somebody else's baby. How many might think that that is, is cause to call the wedding off? Let's put it in 2011. There'd be many that would just say, I'm out. No thanks. But he loved her. He cared for her. He only wanted the best for her. And so he did right by her. He could have called off the engagement. He could have divorced her after the marriage because they did get married and then she had the baby. He could have had second thoughts and said, well, I, I don't want this after all. We're going to get a divorce or an annulment, right? Or here's what really could have happened and what happened very commonly. It says he didn't want to make a public spectacle of her. Do you know what the public spectacle would have been had he chosen to do it and he would have been within his rights to do it? They bring the pregnant fiancé into the town center and all of those who are better than her, they pick up large stones and they throw them at the person until they're dead. Stoning. He didn't want to do that. Even though he had that option within the law, what did he do? He did right by Mary. Before, listen to this, 
Remember, we, we get ahead and we read the whole thing and we know the end. We've read from Genesis to Revelation, so we're already ahead of the story. Just backshift, downshift a little bit and back up a little bit with me. This is before he had been divinely warned or divinely was divinely explained to him. Before the divine explanation, he still chose to do right by his wife. He chose kindness and discretion, grace and mercy. There was no malice. There was no explosion ever recorded. He wanted to do right. He was righteous. Sometimes, church, sometimes, folks, things are not as they appear, are they? As was the case here. James Dobson said, one of the best things a father can do for his children is just to simply love their mother. One of the best things a father could ever do for his children is simply love their mother. Dads, let me challenge you as strongly as I can. Love your wife. Love the mother of your children. And I already hear the wheels turning. I can smell the smoke burning. Because there's, I know, because just simple statistics tell us that over half of all marriages end in divorce. And so there are some that are objecting, saying, I don't really want to love her anymore. I'm not married to her anymore. And you don't know all the details. I understand. Can we get along? I'm remarried, Pastor Steve. I have a new wife now, and she is my love. I understand, and I support that. But we teach a lot of things, don't we? Most of what we teach are never spoken with words. Oh, somebody ought to write that down. Most of what we teach is never spoken with words. It's by our actions. I'm not a big fan of do as I say, not as I do. I like Paul's philosophy of follow me as I follow Christ. Dad, your kids are watching you. Whether you're married to their mother now or not, you need to get along. It's good preaching whether you say amen or not. It just is. All right, I'll move on. He did right by his wife. He did right by the Lord. Most importantly, of course, is doing right by the Lord. Look at verses 24 and 5 here. Then Joseph being aroused from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary to be his wife. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He obeyed the word of the Lord. God sent a messenger, an angel of the Lord appeared, speaking to him what he should do, explaining to him what was happening because he was a little confused here. And he decided, because he was already a righteous man, 
he was going to obey the word of the Lord that came. Dad's another great thing that you can do for your family, for your wife and for your children, is learn how to walk in obedience. Obeying the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord will come a number of ways. The, the word of the Lord primarily will come from His word, from the Bible. You cannot obey the word of the Lord if you do not know the word of the Lord. The only way you can know the word of the Lord is to go and get the word of the Lord, open the word of the Lord, and read the word of the Lord. Pardon me for being so simplistic today, but I think it's good to go back uh, to the third grade every now and then. Billy Graham's target all along, he was preaching his crusades, which drew hundreds of thousands of people, touching millions over his lifetime span. His target audience was a third grader because he thought if a third grader could get it, so could anybody else. Dad, your children are watching. Are you an example to them in obedience to the word of the Lord? Read the word of the Lord. Uh, get to the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. Meditate on the word of the Lord. Another way uh, the word of the Lord will come in order for you to be obedient to it is in the house of the Lord. Like today, you have come to the house of the Lord and the man of God that is chosen and, and, and anointed, whether it happens to be me here, but wherever you might be, we have dads from other places. I understand that. Hopefully you're under someone that is anointed and hearing God and able to speak the word of the Lord so that you can grab hold of that and you can obey the word of the Lord. Dad, thus says the Lord to you today. Know me. Find me, and I will answer you. I have a plan for you, but you must come to me. Dad, it's not time to play games. It's time to get serious. It's time to live the life that God has called you to live. He's called you, Dad, to a life of righteousness. Do right by your wife. Do right by the Lord, and in doing right by these two entities, you will automatically be doing right by your children. The first lesson is a lesson in righteousness. It's followed closely by a lesson in responsibility. After the divine explanation came from the angel, Joseph then understood clearly what God expected of him, and as we already discussed, he was ready to obey. He obeyed in going ahead and taking Mary for his wife. Before the dream, they were just engaged. The angel said, go ahead and take her for your wife. But see, he could, he could have gotten a little bit clever right here. She's early enough in the pregnancy that I'll go ahead and lay with her. We're going uh, to be married anyway. I'll just try on the shoe before I buy it. Can I talk to you for a few minutes? 
if I go ahead and have sex with her, then everybody's going to think it's my baby anyway. But the angel gave very strict and clear directions. Marry her, but don't lie with her. Don't have sex with her until after the baby is born. He manned up, if you will. He owned up and he took the responsibility that was given to him by the angel of the Lord. He would take Mary as his wife and suffer through the cutting and judgmental remarks that come as a result of a child conceived prior to marriage. He would obey in spite of the fact that this child of divine province and promise would be born under a cloud of suspicion of adultery. Mary must have fooled around. And who in their right mind is going to believe that she's carrying the seed of God? Come on now. Again, we already know the end. We already see the outcome and the results. But imagine with me somebody saying, well, I'm the chosen one and the Messiah that we've all been waiting for and reading about is going to come through me. Can you imagine the ridicule that came? He obeyed in spite of that. And listen to this. He got to call his adopted son Jesus, just as he was told to. Joseph named Jesus. I never really saw that before. The angel said, and you shall call his name Jesus, and they, they called his name Jesus. I don't know. No, it was Joseph, Dad. Look, look at this. He got that privilege. Karen got the privilege of naming our children. <laughs> Tell the truth, she said. We, I, <laughs> she's all over me now. Oh. No, we had it all figured out. If it's a, if it's a boy, the first one, if it's, a, if it's a girl, let's see, how'd it go? If it was a boy, you got to name. Because I didn't think we were having a boy. And so she picked Elliot. And then we said, well, then uh, the next round, if it's a boy, I'll get to name him, finally. And, um, yeah, it was a girl. So she picked out the girl named that particular pregnancy. And uh, the last child, we kind of decided together. And then Elliot, he said, we, we were asking him one day, now if you could name uh, the baby, you know, Karen's carrying uh, Harris was what we were going to call her. She's carrying, and she said, Elliot, if you could name the baby, what would you name? If it's a boy, what would you name him? If it's a girl, what would you name her? And he said, well, if it's a boy, I'll name him Elijah. No. Ezekiel. I'll name him Ezekiel. I knew it was a Bible name. I'll name him Ezekiel. If it's a girl, mm, I think I'd like Daisy. And we laughed and laughed and laughed at Daisy, just out of the blue, so random. Where did Daisy come from? So we, we'd tell our family, you know, isn't this funny? And they said, oh, well, that's what she's going to be called. You might as well just change the name and put it on the birth certificate. That's what we're going to call her. And we said, no, we like Harris. I, I don't think I've ever called her Harris. <laughs> Ten years old now, and all I've known is her name is Daisy. But Joseph, Dad... He was privileged. We're going to call him Jesus. What? You know what? We named him. <laughs> Stacy, you need to just kind of take notes and 
want to enjoy this day. What a privilege to have children. Joseph believed God. Joseph obeyed God. And Joseph accepted his responsibility to what God gave him. It was not his blood. Jesus Christ was not his blood. But he still said, I'm going to be his earthly father. I'll adopt him as though he is my blood. And I know we have some adoptive fathers here. And what, what a, an honor. I, I really, really give a lot of credit to all the dads and, and moms, all the parents who adopt children. Children who might otherwise, who knows what might happen to their lives. But you're able to give them a home of love and care. Joseph did this with Jesus Christ. Listen to these statistics today. In 1960, 17% of children in the United States were raised apart from their biological fathers. 1960, not really that long ago. By 1990, that number had risen to 36%, nearly doubling in 30 years. Today, nearly half of all children in the United States are raised without a father in the home. How could we have become so irresponsible, so cavalier in our relationships with our children? Dads, we have a responsibility to our children. Come on, Dad. It is time that we take the responsibility that has been given to us by God. God gave responsibility to Joseph and he understood it and he embraced it. God is giving us responsibility today, Dad. Will you embrace that? Will you recognize that? We can't leave it to our, our schools any longer. They're not teaching our children the doctrine and principles of the Word of God. They've taken that out of our school system. We can't leave it to our government. They've stripped the Ten Commandments from our courthouses. We can't leave it to our society who is so inclusive. They say get on any, any religious road and it will all lead us to the same heaven. It's a fallacy. It's a falsehood. It's wrong. We can't leave it to society. We can't leave it to our television. Our TVs babysit our children. They spend more time on game centers than they do in the Word of God. My children are not permitted to get on the TV unless they've spent time in the Word of God. I say that, but we have to check them all the time because, well, they're teenagers and a preteen. They're kids. Just because they're PKs doesn't mean they're just automatically going to want to do the right thing. So we have to make sure that they're doing the right thing. They'll grab the remote and mom will say, have you read your Bible yet? And they'll put the remote down and they'll go and read their Bible. And I'm, I'm sure that it's not always a joy for them. 
Can I talk to you again for a moment? How many would just be honest today and say that you've read the Bible and it was a chore? Y'all are, oh, I don't want to call you out like that. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for keeping that in. I almost said something right there. I know all of us, the, reading the Bible isn't always just a joy and such a delight. Sometimes it's just discipline. Sometimes we read it and we go, I, I don't even remember what I read. I'm so distracted. But there's something about just being faithful anyway. And I'm telling you, God will honor it. And then there'll be other times it just leaps up off the page at you. And they'll come and they'll talk to us about, oh, I read this. And, and, and you know, we get to talking about the word. But it's just being that faithful. That it's your responsibility to, to lead the way. You cannot impart God to them unless you have God in you. You cannot impart God to your children unless you have God in you. Psychologists tell us that whatever you plan on teaching your children, values, morals, it must be taught within the first five years of their lives, and after that, it's all reinforcement. Dad, let's learn from Joseph's example taking our responsibility, put down the remote control, get up off the couch, spend some quality time with your children, leave your work at work, get down on the floor with them, play baseball with them, take them to the park, take them to the appropriate movies. And how about this? Take them to church. Which leads me to my final lesson that was learned by this silent father. It's a lesson in religion. And I know... Some don't really like the word religion, and they would rather say we have a relationship instead. <laughs> I know. But let me just tell you what James chapter 1 and verse 27 says. Pure and undefiled what? Uh-huh. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, visiting orphans and widows in their trouble and keeping oneself unspotted from the world. So maybe I ought to phrase it like this, true religion, pure religion, undefiled religion. But there's a lesson here in religion, folks. By the way, James wrote that. James, the brother of Jesus. James, Joseph's other son, by the way. <laughs> Joseph was devoutly religious. Luke chapter 2 gives us a little glimpse. Look at verse number 39. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. Joseph clearly loved God. He knew God. He loved God's word, verse number 39, according to the law of the Lord. Joseph honored the customs and traditions of God's word, verse 41. He went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and I just jotted down 
uh, a little note that came to my mind, observation and obedience. Observation and obedience, which takes us back to the gate of our place of overflow. Remember, there are prerequisites in order to get into the place of overflow. Observation and obedience. He observed the Word of God and he obeyed the Word of God. Austin L. Sorensen once said, A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. Dads, you, more than anyone else in the world, you're in a, you are able to instill faith into your children. You, more than anyone, are able to show them what a loving father looks like. You, more than anyone, can give them the ability to trust and depend on their father in heaven. But you've got to give them what you have. Before your children can see God in you, you have to let God into your heart and into your life. You must seek Him and make Him your top priority. You have to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And when you do, your children will see that. A preacher once asked a group of preschoolers in Sunday school, Draw me a picture of God, he said. He intended to use them as an illustration for his Sunday sermon. Toward the end of class, the children were so excited to show him their work. Some drew rainbows. Some drew large men with large hands. Finally, the preacher's daughter came up to him and she showed him her picture. It was a man with a suit and tie on. I don't know what God looks like, she said, so I just drew a picture of my daddy instead. Dad, what lessons can we learn today from another father? One who never said one word, not recorded. His words are not recorded in Scripture, yet Joseph's example teaches us some invaluable lessons in fatherhood. Lessons in righteousness. A lesson in responsibility. And yes, a lesson in religion, a relationship with the Heavenly Father. To all of the righteous, responsible, and religious dads that are here today, let me say thank you. Thank you for showing us what it means to be a good man. Thank you for always being there for your wife and for your kids when they needed you. And thank you, Dad, for loving God 
and making us want to love him as well. Dad, I want to invite you to come and join me around this front area. All the dads, please stand. Come and gather at this front. Today, you need to know something. You need to know how special you are. You need to know how important you are. You need to know how much you're loved and depended on. Many of you don't have the privilege of having your children with you today and others you do. But no matter if your child is with you or not, I want you to see them today in your, in your heart and in your mind, depending on you, counting on you, looking up to you, longing to hold your hand, calling you for guidance, understanding, just wanting to hang out with dad. May we not fall in the statistics of the absentee fathers. Over almost 50% of homes do not have the father in the home. May we be the ones to break that. Reaching out to our children. Dads, I want you to lift your hands. And church, I'd like you now to stand. We have great men before us today. We have mighty men of God here today. Wonderful examples of godliness. Wonderful examples of righteousness, living right with the help of God and leaning on the Lord. They're doing their best to, to live a righteous life. We have men before us who are embracing their responsibility that God has given them. We have devoutly religious men before us today that have a deep relationship with their Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray, God, for every father here I thank you for them first of all. Thank you, God, for these men who stand before us today. Men who know you. Men who, who long to obey you. Lord, I pray your blessing on Dad today. Bless him, God. Bless all that he does and all that he puts his hand to, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would give each father grace and mercy today. I pray that you would give each father wisdom, wisdom in their relationship with their spouse, wisdom in their business dealings, wisdom, God, in rearing their children. I pray your anointing on them, God. 
Dad, I want you just to ask the Father right now, say, anoint me. God, I pray that you would anoint every father in this room, which is just giving them your ability. Anoint them, God, with oil from heaven, that they could be all that you have destined and designed them to be, saying what you want them to say, acting in the way that they should act, responding appropriately. Lord, I pray your blessing and I pray that you would just give them the most awesome day today they possibly could have. We celebrate them and we honor them and we give you thanks for them. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you're thankful for all the dads, let's just give God praise. We love you, Dad. We thank God for you. You are important. You are special. We are depending on you. Now, church, I want you to really just give Dad the, the day off. There's no service tonight, by the way. We want you to just take that opportunity to really celebrate Dad. If you're staying home for dinner, why don't you cook instead of him cook? Let him just relax and get up on the, on the, the couch or on the lazy boy right there right you give him whatever he needs today if you're taking him out take him to the very best place you could possibly get him amen yeah. hallelujah have a great day everybody and enjoy your dad that prayer back at